And we are live. This is the Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. If you caught the front end there, just a little recap of the live watch party we had on Wednesday night at the Annex Social. Great times had by L. Can't even lie. Took me a couple days to recover from that. Great party. Great times. The Raptors did their part coming up with a massive, massive victory against the Phoenix Suns. Their best win of the season. And I got to be honest, I said it. <laughs> I said it to someone after we were sitting around after we did the live watch party. I sat there and I said, you know what? The way this Raptors season is going, they're going to beat the Suns. Then they're going to fall flat against the Knicks on Friday. And here we are. But as promised, no matter what, we are here live after each and every Toronto Raptors game. Because that's what we do here on the Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up podcast. And a tough one for the Raps. But first off, huge shouts to all the people that came out on Wednesday. There'll be more of that stuff along the way. Let us know if you enjoyed it. Let us know if you'd like to join us next time, of course. And the way that you do that is just follow along on socials. You can follow me at Shell Alexander on Twitter or on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. If you want to tune into the pod, though, because we are here after each and every Toronto Raptors game, live and interactive, send in your comments and questions. Be a part of the show. You could do that two ways. The first way is on YouTube. Go follow the Canada Hoops Daily YouTube page. The second way that you can follow along and interact with the show live is on the app formerly known as Twitter at the Can Hoops Daily page. That is where you can find this podcast because Raptors fans, we're here after each and every game, just chopping it up talking about what's going on in Raptor land. And this was a very interesting game. I thought the Raps played a really good first half. And then things just kind of didn't go their way. Dante DiVincenzo got hot. Or is there another level above hot between DiVincenzo and Josh Hart? Man, those guys shot the lights out tonight. And that was a difference as the Knicks win 119 to 106. Again, just get in your comments and questions. We'll go over that. We'll read all the comments. But in the meantime, between time, I'll give you my breakdown of what I think happened in this game to the Toronto Raptors because that was a real interesting one. I, I think the Raptors were right there for the majority of the game. I thought they had good signs. Scotty Barnes got off to a really good start. And then the game just slipped away from the Raps. And, and it's tough when that happens because you're you're – you're playing against a team like the Knicks that you know they're going to play hard. Even though they're on the second end of a back-to-back, just the Tom Thibodeau-style team, they're going to come in with a certain pedigree. They come in with a certain style of play. And you have to match that energy if you're the Toronto Raptors. And I think they did early. The difference just came down to shooting. And the Knicks made additions to their team. I mean, they added Hart late last season. They added DiVincenzo in the offseason. And those are two guys who are 3 and D guys who can – also handle the ball a little, but it's guard play and they can shoot threes. They can shoot open shots. And when the rest of your team is built around Julius Randle, who obviously we know is just paint touches, RJ is a slasher. And then you have Brunson, who's just been on an epic role starting this season and even going back to last season. But his game is a lot of driving into the lane and being able to kick. You got to surround that squad with shooters. And when you look at the Knicks, how they built their team around their guys and their personnel and even built their bench, which is not something Thibodeau's known for. And then you look at the Raptors, it's a very interesting comparison there. 
But we'll break all that down. Again, as the Raptors fall, 119 to 106. Uh, Scotty Barnes with 29 points. Pascal Siakam with 21. As mentioned, Brunson leading the way for the Knicks with 22. DiVincenzo red hot from beyond the arc as he was just cooking. Dante DiVincenzo, I don't know if I've seen him shoot like that before. Like he had an epic night. And I mean, he tied his career high for threes as he was seven of nine from three. Josh Hart was three of four from three. And when you're getting production like that from your bench, like, I mean, what do you, <laughs> that's a tough, tough, tough thing to come back from if you're the Toronto Raptors, right? You're talking 10 of 13 from three between those two guys alone, then add in the fact that, you know, Hartenstein gives him solid boards on the bench as well. Quickly, we know he's a heat check guy. He had 10 in this game, but, you know, solid bench performance from the New York Knicks. I thought the Raps bench played okay, but clearly not as well as the Knicks did in this one. But let's break this all down. Let's start from the beginning because the Raptors, you know, you, you come off of last game and, it's your best win of the season by far, right? Best win of the season, beating the Phoenix Suns, add in all the drama in terms of, you know, the plane getting in late and the Raptors had every excuse to not have a solid game against Kevin Durant and the Suns, but then they show up and they play so hard. And the funny thing about it is Leo was talking about it in the broadcast on the pregame show. And I, I, I love it. I love the point because it's so true. It's like, well, you've shown us now that you can do it. So now it's about consistency, right? You showed that you can play at that level. You showed that you can compete night in, night out. So like now you just got to do it on a consistent basis. And that's the test. And to me, him saying that is that we're on the same vibes in terms of you saw what the Raptors did on Wednesday. And then now on Friday, this is a game you should win as the Knicks are on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. You've had a day to collect yourself, but you're also ready for the style of play for the Knicks, and the Raptors couldn't match it. Brunson, though, coming off their game Thursday night, he had 42 in that game. So you're thinking, okay, is he going to have a, another big-time game again? Can't be possible, right? RJ, Canadian, RJ Barrett, shouts to RJ, obviously a member of Canada's national team, bronze medal winning national team of course on Canada Hoops Day we're going to take some time to big that up because shouts to RJ Barrett for sure he started off the game really well he had all he had the first Knicks seven points in this game and I thought as RJ was bringing the energy for his team Dennis Schroeder was doing the same for the Raptors he was doing everything and it was kind of a carryover from last game in which Dennis Schroeder was getting his point guard on he was leading the attack, setting the tone, setting the pace, getting everyone involved. Also hit a three. Like he was just playing really nice. And the leak out pass that he had to Scotty Barnes, right? Because we're, we're getting to learn how this Raptors team is going to be successful. And the main way is going to be getting out in transition, getting out on the break. And a bunch of that is just pushing the ball. And they made the reference about, you know, the Kyle Lowry to young Pascal Siakam and how often we saw that night in, night out. Remember we were talking about that on this pod earlier on, right? In terms of young Pascal, how is he able to get easier buckets and just ISO, ISO, ISO? Well, the same can be said for Scotty Barnes. So it was cool to see that early. There's a play late where Pascal, late in the first quarter anyways, where Pascal Siakam got kneed in the face. 
I don't know why there is a long review to see that. You could tell off the first look. Again, I'm anti-review. Like, screw this whole review thing. We don't need them. Nobody needed all these reviews. They should just have one extra referee who's just sitting in front of the monitor. And if there's a questionable play, you look over at that ref. He gives you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and we move on with things. We don't need the actual refs on the court to go over and watch the monitor. I don't understand that. Right? Like, does that make any sense? Refs don't get refs can't get paid that much money that you can't afford one extra ref. In fact, I'm pretty sure don't most crews have an extra ref just like in the back or something, hanging around in case someone got sick on the road trip or something happened. My point either way is there's a more efficient way to deal with these reviews. Anyways. Brunson took over the game in that first quarter. Knicks took the lead. He had eight points, three assists early. Knicks led as they went on a run at the end of the first quarter. 34 to 26, the Knicks led. Randall had nine, five, and two. RJ with seven. Scotty Barnes off to a great start. And that's another key positive for the Raptors. You want to see Scotty Barnes aggressive early and getting points early because far too often what ends up happening is the Raptors start off slow. Then Scotty's struggling to, to find his way in the game. And then by the time he does get it going, it's late in the game and it's too late. I know the Raptors didn't win this game, but I think the positives, when you're looking for positives, I think Scotty Barnes getting off to a good start is huge. Also, Scotty doing the job with the bench unit because he came on to start that second quarter and I thought he was super aggressive. It's the things we've been talking about all season long. When Scotty's on with that bench unit, he has to be the lead guy. He has to be that main guy who is just in there getting buckets, who's not turning down shots, who's going to be there to see that he's leading the offense. He's the bus driver, to quote the TNT crew. He can't be turning down shots and trying to swing the ball. And I thought it was really good because he took the mid-range. And I know the mid-range, Jay, has been a bad word in the NBA for the last couple of years, but Scotty Barnes just stepped into those long twos comfortably splashed them all. I thought it was just, he had three in a row in that little stint to start the second quarter. He started the game seven for seven from the floor, 15 points and four rebounds. A great game for Scotty Barnes. I thought he played really well in this game coming off a game in which against the Suns, we all know about the 12 points. I think it was four fourth quarter that Scotty had in in that win against the Suns. So I think Scotty did a, a great job in this game. Again, as mentioned, he had 29 points in this game and you know what you're going to get from Scotty Barnes cuz it's not only going to be points. He had 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 steals in this game. And most importantly, he shot 13 of 19 from the floor. That's a really really good game from Scotty Barnes and it it's I know that the Raptors didn't win the game, but I think when we're talking and all the talk about Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes, he's a guy like these are the games where you see it's well-rounded. These are the games where you see that it was an impactful minutes that he had, especially early to start the game. Dante DiVincenzo, he came in in limited minutes and he just started nailing threes right away. As soon as he got in the game in that second quarter, he was splashing threes. He had, he had three early. And matching that energy or bench boost was Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher, for the life of me, I still don't understand how Precious gets first minutes over Boucher. I guess they play different positions technically. One's the four, one's the five. 
however we want to phrase that. But my counter to that is, well, what position is Scotty Barnes then? Like, why are we so worried about Precious being a five and Scott and uh, and Boucher being a four if Scotty's out here playing point guard anyway? So clearly, like, it, it doesn't matter, right? Defensively, these guys can figure it out in terms of who's going to guard who. But Chris Boucher just comes off the bench and gives you energy night in night out now you want to be able to rein that in at times of course but i'd rather have to rein someone in than have to question you know and wait for them to wake up when you check them into the game boucher it's not a problem he's all over the place he's getting on the glass he was leading the break finding pascal on the run then or sorry it was the other way around pascal finding him on the run i just thought that it was just such a great time by Chris Boucher to just add more energy to the Toronto Raptors. And that's what he does consistently. Is he going to take the one bad three a game? Sure. But you live with that as long as a, a guy is hustling and you know that he's leaving it all on the court. And plus at home, when he's diving on the ground and he's looking at the crowd and getting the crowd into it, you need that if you're the Raps. You definitely need that if you're the Raptors bench as well. By halftime, game was tied at 57 and the Raptors were down by as many as 10, but they made a very good comeback to close out that second quarter. And Scotty Barnes had seven. He started seven of eight from the floor, 15 points. Pascal also had 15 points and both of them had a great, did a great job of just getting it going together. There's been so much talk about whose team is it and my turn, your turn. When do you go? And it's like, we've seen this before. Right, like greater stars have figured it out. I'm sure that with time, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes can also figure out how to coexist and both get busy in the same game and have it lead to success. Like, I don't think those two guys are the problem. Now, I thought, you know, Pascal, it was almost a role reversal because I feel like most of the games we've seen so far this season. Pascal has been the one to get it started early and then Scotty joins him. And this one was an interesting role reversal. So I thought that was kind of cool to see. Um, also at half Brunson went 14 RJ had 13 points to start that third quarter though. This is where the game takes a turn. Raptors started one of seven from the floor. And I thought the problem there with the raps where they were settling for threes as the season goes along, right? More and more teams, when you come in, the scouting report is going to be to let these guys shoot. So even though Scotty Barnes hits his threes tonight, overall, long-term, it's going to be on the Raptors to turn down certain three-point attempts because you're just open by design. And I think to start that first or start that second half, the Raptors settled for a couple threes. Meanwhile, the Knicks were just getting out and running. And that was keyed by Brunson getting fouled on a three-pointer, Knicks then on the run. Robinson gets a dunk. Knicks were up 10 at that point, 71 to 61. And Brunson was just doing it all on both ends. Even took a key charge on Pascal Siakam, which earned him his third foul of the game. And the Knicks were starting to pull away. But then, as mentioned, Scotty Barnes had a big time game. He knocked down back to back threes. And that's where the confidence comes from, right? He stepped into them, shot them with confidence. And I understand it, you know, like the, the runs there. So you feel like you got to put a stop to this run and, and kind of punch back counter punch. So I get what Scotty's doing there. It's just tough, right? Because now you're almost getting into a, a three point shooting contest. And 
once Hart got it going, he hit two threes in, in that little spurt that he had there in the third quarter. He had 12 at that point, then knocked down another three to give him 15 of his 17 points came in that third quarter. A 15-point third quarter for Josh Hart. A 10-0 run for the Knicks. And this is where I really thought the game got away from the Raps because, you know, the run starts and the Raptors are into their bench units. Siakam, again, as mentioned, he was in a little bit of foul trouble. OG was struggling in this game offensively. And Scotty, because of the rotation, it was time for him to go to the bench. But I thought this was an interesting stretch where things didn't go well for the Raps to end this third quarter. And I really think this is where the game got away from them, especially when you look up and you have a lineup on the floor of OG, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua, and Chris Boucher. I'm not sure if that's ever the lineup that you really want to have on the floor. One of the things we've talked about throughout this season is the rotations and having more of Pascal and Scotty and Schroeder, two of those three guys on the floor at the same time. And I thought for the majority of this game, the rotation was working nice where either one of Siakam or Barnes were on the floor at all times. And then due to foul trouble, you know, things had to be shuffled around. And then Darko just got caught, I think, in a moment where he's trying to buy himself some time at the end of the quarter. But especially in a game where, although Malachi Flynn has been playing better, you know, this wasn't one of the games where he really had it going offensively, right? OG was struggling miserably in this game, especially to start off. And so at that point, it's really tough to come up with that lineup. Like, I know what you want OG to be and you want Gary Trent Jr. to be, but what they are in this moment, that's a tough ask. While the Knicks are rolling, the Knicks are running, you're trying to hang on and stay in this game. And OG, Malachi, Gary Trent, Precious, and Chris Boucher. I mean, it was a 12-2 run to end the third quarter. Knicks led 90-77 to heading into the fourth. And I really think that was a turning point in this game. It was almost like the Knicks passed the baton from Josh Hart to Dante DiVincenzo. Because he checked back in the game and, you know, he started splashing more threes. At that point, okay, at this point of the game, Hart and DiVincenzo started off 7 of 10 from 3. Meanwhile, the Raptors started from 3, 5 of 28. Now, they get a little bit of a boost. They come back with their, you know, their starters. Uh, Scotty and Dennis check back into the game. They're able to cut the lead to under 10, and Scotty really was energizing this one. Like, he was driving downhill with the purpose. I think he took the threes when necessary. He didn't really take too many bad threes. And, you know, when you're hitting a couple, you're going to take another one. So not knocking that at all. But Scotty was also making defensive plays. He's getting in the lane. Like he was doing a lot. OG, even though he struggled offensively, he came up with a big steal, took the ball back down the court with a nice dunk, cut the lead. You know, it was a timeout Knicks. Knicks are reeling. But right out of the timeout, they swing the ball to Dante DiVincenzo. He pump fakes. Scotty bites. Escape dribble. Hits the three. That that was that was that was five threes at that point. Vincenzo at that point. The Raptors as a team still had five threes, and that was pretty much the ball game at that point. Again, Raptors fall one nineteen to one oh six. They fall to six and five at home. Nine and eleven 
on the season for the Toronto Raptors. They get another chance, though. They play the Knicks coming up on December 11th. And in MSG, and if you remember, that's when Pascal, did he drop 50 last year, MSG? Massive game for Pascal. So, you know, some fond memories there. We'll see what happens the next time these two teams meet up. The Raptors also get an interesting little break here with the way that the in-season tournament broke down. So the way that this week was set up, it was kind of a blank space being held on the NBA schedule, right? And basically, you know that you had two games this week, but they're either going to be two in-season tournament games or two regular season games. And so because the Raptors were already eliminated, it was announced that they would play the Miami Heat on Wednesday. And if you tuned in to our last post-game show at the Annex Social, where, you know, we had some prizes, one of them included two tickets to that Miami Heat game. Just saying, some people went home very happy. I mean, I think a lot of people went home happy, but the people that also went home with the two tickets to the Heat game next week, pretty sure they went home very happy. And all they had to do was just show up. Right. So good time had by all, hopefully on Wednesday, but the Raptors getting a nice little break here. And, you know, at the 20 game point of the season, I think it's a good little reset, you know, time to kind of check in and, and see how things are going, feel things out a little bit. If you're the Raps and you played Miami heat, and then you have the Charlotte Hornets on Friday. So a tough loss for the Raps for sure, but it kind of falls in line with how this season's going. It's been an up and down season. The Raptors can't really string wins or like great performances together. And they're just playing inconsistent right now. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but the start of the season said the goal is 500. You're a 500 team because you're inconsistent. And that's just where the Raps are right now. And I see all the little whispers already starting, you know, as Bill Simmons threw out a, a possible trade scenario of, and again, he's not saying that he's hearing this. He's just throwing this out there as something that he thinks would work, meaning that to me, and again, I feel like a lot of media does this, we're doing this for clicks, right? Like, People know, especially American media knows how like rabid the Toronto fan base is. So you even get the same thing happening with the Jays, right? And we already know what the Leafs are like, right? But what ends up happening is you just throw Toronto in rumors and magically your engagement goes up online. So Bill Simmons throwing out this whole, oh, maybe the Warriors should go get Siakam and they should offer Andrew Wiggins and uh, Kaminga. And it's like, First off, I think that would take more if you're the Raps. You got to throw in some picks in there as well. But if I'm the Raps, I want Moody as well in that trade. Now, Golden State probably says no, but then you say no, right? Like Golden State, as as desperate as the Raptors are to like figure out what they're going to do in this, uh, this rest of the season with Siakam, if you paid attention to Golden State this season, it's not like they're in a position to kind of wait it out and see how this goes either. Because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of teams trying to get Pascal Siakam, but none of them would probably be as desperate as Golden State, who are barely hanging on here to this, this legacy, this era of basketball of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And getting Pascal Siakam, adding him to those three guys, that'd be huge for them. And if you feel like you owe it to this core to give it another go and they're really disappointed with how Wiggins has come in to camp or to come in this season out of shape and 
they're not really happy about that. I don't know why you think the Raptors would then be like, yep, we'll sign ourselves up for Andrew Wiggins <laughs> only for Pascal Siakam and Kaminga. I mean, I, I, I like Kaminga, but I think, I don't know. I think you need a little bit more there. Hopefully some picks or something, even though who knows where Golden State ends up. The bottom line is you're going to start hearing this, especially as Siakam starts to play better. You're going to hear the Laker rumors. You're going to hear all these things that don't really make much sense. But I'm I'm assuming that we're going to ride this out until the trade deadline. That'd be my guess because the Raptors, MLSE, I don't see them being in a position where they're going to openly just give up on Siakam and give up on this season and a potential like playoff push if you're hanging around the play-in and could, you know, hovering around eighth. I don't see them giving up the playoffs to then just say, okay, we're going to go into a full-on tank. We saw this last year and we saw that they didn't do it. So I know they got burned, but I think they, they're prepared for life without Siakam or life without OG. That's what they've showed us so far. Or they're very confident that, hey, no matter what, we feel like we got a good shot at signing one of them, if not both, or who knows who they want. But I do know that either way, we will be here to break it all down with you no matter what on this The Wrap It Up podcast. So huge shouts to the people that have tuned in because I know, especially after the losses, it's tough, right? Like you watch this team and you wonder what they're going to be like, what's going to happen to them night in, night out. And you don't know which team is going to show up. But at the end of the day, they most nights they're playing hard. Most nights are giving you something to cheer about. And bare minimum, if nothing else, you can follow along and see the development of Scotty Barnes. Because I really think that Scotty Barnes is showing you, you know, he's showing you glimpses of the player that everyone thinks he can be. Now, can he put it all together? I think a lot of that depends on the rest of the team around him, what the expectations are. But, you know, having more and more games where you still have the vets around, meaning Pascal and OG and, you know, you're still talking about winning. I think that matters. The message being sent if, you know, you head into a downward spiral where you're you're saying wins don't matter. I don't know if you want that for your young player right now. It's a tough spot. Definite tough spot. Um, I see we got some Knicks fans in the chat here. I see someone saying Nick Pride. Uh, I'm so sorry that the Knicks gave the Raptors that beat down in the fourth quarter. That's okay. That's okay. No problem. Uh, we welcome you to the pod anyways. You know, Knicks fans, you can be happy. You've had a lot of rough years. I mean, y'all are so salty <laughs> that you're trying to sue the Raptors. Like, what is going on? It's such a random James Dolan thing. But hey, have your wins. It's cool. The Knicks are, are while the whole league is going in one direction, I kind of like that the Knicks are still like the kind of gritty, grungy, you know, Julius Randle back down you know you got brunson the old school point guard like the knicks just got like that old school team or as old school as you can get in this era of the nba uh what else we got here we got more comments bad defense tonight how many open threes did the knicks have yeah i also think too the other part is the open threes the raptors were collapsing they were late on the swing and even when they were there they were running out and and a lot of times these knicks I mean, it's, it's like an added NBA skill nowadays where guys are able to pump fake and escape dribble. You see that so often now. And yeah, 
Hart and DiVincenzo, they really did kill the Raptors in this game. Uh, another comment here says, uh, we need to solve our ongoing shooting problem and a better bench. Um, I know someone who was supposed to help in both of those things, shooting and a better bench. Uh, he's currently right now at the 905. And you hope that, you know, he's building up some more confidence and Grady will be able to come back and help and help that bench and help the overall shooting. Cause you're right. That is a huge need for this team. And as long as they're struggling with their bench and struggling with shooting, they're going to struggle on the court most nights when your shots not falling. So it's just a tough spot for the raps to be in, but you know, it's not anything that they, they didn't know coming into this season. Like I'm not, I don't think that, you know, they had the wild expectations of, you know, winning 50 games or something like that. Like they knew this season was going to be a struggle. And I, I keep saying it. Darko to me is a vibes coach. I think he's a really good coach. He draws X's and O's, but you heard all the comments last game from Siakam, you know, like he also was brought in for vibes. And I think they needed to revamp this, the culture and vibe of the team because it was just too negative last year. And sometimes I guess things do become about moral victories, you know? Tough spot, but it's a position the Raptors are in. And hey, you take the wins when you can get them. And hopefully their next game against the Miami Heat, that'll be a tough one. And then you hope to get one against Charlotte next Friday, a week from now. Either way, long stretch in between games. We will be back here, though, to break it all down for you. And just remember, Canada Hoops Daily, we got a lot going on. Lots on the way coming soon from Canada Hoops Daily, the brand itself. So stay tuned for that. And just know that you can catch this podcast whenever the Raptors play. Coming up right after the game, you can join us live at Canada Hoops Daily on YouTube, at Can Hoops Daily on Twitter, and of course, the podcast afterwards on Apple and Spotify. That's where you can find us after each and every Toronto Raptors game. Send in your comments and questions because this is your show. I mean it. We do this show for the fans. We want to hear from you. We always want to know what the fan base is thinking. So send in your comments. Let us know what you think as the Raptors continue to push on in their season. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I always say I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.